Welcome once again to At Home in your hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Adam Moline. We serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Each time we get together with At Home in your hymnal, we take a look at a hymn, a part of God's service, some aspect of Lutheran worship, theology, and practice so that we can have the saints of God be more at home in their hymnal during the corporate worship, individual or family devotions, either way, but uh, to know that God's gift of our hymnal is a great resource and a great tool, a great guide, a way that he communicates the truth of his word and the good news of Jesus Christ to us. We've been looking at Divine Service Setting 1, page 151 and following uh, over the last several episodes, and you can check out the archive section, www.thecross957.org. I've been doing some changing on our website. You might have to dig a little bit for the archives, especially on your handheld device, but they're there, trust me. And uh, you can go back and check out some of our past programs. Episode 17, we looked uh, the entire episode at the Gloria. Episode 16, we looked the entire episode at This is the Feast of Victory for Our God. And we didn't have quite enough time on our last episode. So here on episode 18, we want to begin by going back in time. And we want to go back in time. You heard that uh, little intro to our program today. Uh, That's a little bit of a teaser. Pastor Moline, tell us what that is and give us a setup for it because we want to listen to it in its entirety. Well, it, it is a uh, Gloria in excelsis. It's part of a cantata written by Johann Sebastian Bach uh, for Christmas time. And I think it's important to hear these things because some of these really great musicians that we have from the past are actually Lutheran musicians. And the church that uh, everyone loves and uh, appreciates is actually church music. And we've kind of moved into a a lower uh, time in the church, musically speaking, and so it's good to look back and see what we can do with the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ to bring a little piece of heaven to earth in the music that we use in the divine service. I want to stop you right there before you go on. You said a lower time in our worship, in our church, in our in all that kind of Explain what you mean for our hearers. I know, I know sometimes people will talk about high church, low church, uh, high expectations, low expectations. What, what are you specifically referring to? Well, um, yeah, that's a long question there. I, I, I would say, uh, what I mean by that is that we're at a time in our, um, in our culture, in our civilization where, uh, we are kind of beginning the decline, if you will. And maybe hopefully it'll turn around, but you know, who knows? And what I mean is that we don't build buildings that are beautiful anymore. We build buildings that are utilitarian. We don't perform music, uh, that is uh, really amazing and beautiful anymore. Instead, what we have is Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga music that's utilitarian and, uh, is very forgettable in the fact that, um, you know, who knows what songs these people performed three years ago, two years ago, and even in a year, the music that's popular now will probably have likely been forgotten. So our culture is declining, and as a result, the music in the church also, in a way, has declined also, and, and these things overlap. And so I'm not trying to 
put down our modern church or anything like that. It's a culture, uh, civilization-wide decline that has begun, and uh, it's kind of sad in that regard. So it's good to look back and say, here's what we could do, and we still could do that today. We're still capable of that if we're willing to put out the effort and the time. I think if uh, you want to... clear example of that. Just take a look at some of the proposals for the rebuilding of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, Some of them are more modern. Some of them are laughable. The one that I saw recently uh, has a swimming pool incorporated into the roof of the cathedral and the, the kind of crazy modern dumbed down things that you would expect and i i don't think it's too big of a stretch to see that dumbing down that we're so used to in culture affecting us in the church watch an old movie and see how much dialogue there is on a movie and on a turner classic network movie and then watch a movie today, and there's very little dialogue. There's lots of car scenes, chase scenes, blowing things up, whatever. We've dumbed down even to the point where in an entertainment, people can't stand to listen to a one- or a two-minute conversation because they've got to have something snappy, something peppy, something catching their eye and catching their ear. And I believe, and it may be a slow, and it might even be kind of a painful transition, but, Pastor, I think that's one of the reasons why the good Lord brought you to Good Shepherd at this point and at this time, is to expose us to the possibilities that are out there. If you uh, were at our Easter vigil this last year, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you weren't, make sure you go this year. Uh, go back to one of the episodes of At Home in the Hymnal and listen to the wonderful music there. And uh, just because the rest of society is dumbed down doesn't mean we have to be as well. We, in our last episode, we listened to the Gloria. We picked apart the Gloria from Divine Service Setting uh, 1 in Lutheran Service Book. The Gloria from Bach that we're about to listen to is from what year Pastor, uh, do you know that off the top of your head, or uh, how about if we listen to it, and that'll give you time to look it up? I want to say off the top of my head, it's from 1723, and I know that it was performed for the first time in Leipzig, but I could be off a couple years in that regard, so maybe I'll double-check as we listen. Okay, Uh, so what you are about to hear is Johann Sebastian Bach, and we are going to hear the Gloria from the Christmas... Cantata number 191.
Wow. Wow. Uh, Pastor, once again, what is this BWV191 thing? Uh, BWV, in German, they collected all box works and they put them into kind of a library. And that library is called the Box Werks Versaignis, uh, or just to keep it in my English mind, Box Works Volume. Uh, and, and anyway, so that's what BWV stands for, Box Werks uh, Versaignis. And, uh, and so they take all the box works, put them in there, and give them a number. And there's thousands of them uh, that are in there. Uh, and I think that particular piece is really beautiful. The first part with the trumpets and the uh, excitingness, that's glory to God in the highest. And then when it kind of calls down we had the more peaceful music that's uh and on earth peace goodwill towards men with whom god's pleasure stands or however you translate it and so we have both those parts contained in that piece um and it would be a suitable thing for us to perform that in place of the glory and excelsis in our divine service setting one or setting two uh so long as we had enough trumpets and uh harpsichords and strings and uh <laughs> chorus members uh well we'll uh we'll, we'll pick that up when we come back from our break we want to talk a, a little bit about a vision for how to bring current state of affairs, cultural and church-wise worship, and what we just heard from Bach, and we need to take a short break. So we'll be right back. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNA. LP 95.7 FM Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in your hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We are looking a little bit longer at the Gloria in Excelsis in Lutheran Service Book, Divine Service Setting 1, page 154. We spent the entire last episode talking about the Gloria, and I just didn't feel like we had covered it as thoroughly and completely as I wanted to. In our previous segment on this episode, we listened to some Bach, Gloria, and there's much more out there. I want to... I want to play for you right here the Gloria, uh, in case you didn't hear the last episode. I want to play for you the Gloria from Divine Service, Setting 1, page 154. And then I want to turn things over to Pastor Moline. And we want to, we want to talk about uh, Bach, the uh, contrast between church music today, church music back in the olden days, and uh, also want to have just a, a little bit of a conversation about where we can possibly go from here. And so with, uh, without further ado, let's listen to the Gloria from Divine Service, Setting One. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord, 
Well, there you have it. Divine Service Setting 1, the glory in excelsis, a uh, magnificent hymn of praise. We talked in our previous episode uh, in great detail about the individual pieces, the individual parts, the stanzas. Uh, I want to share just a couple of thoughts. This is from uh, Professor uh, Dr. Arthur Just and uh, in his uh, marvelous book on liturgy. At the birth of Jesus, there is glory in the highest. The same highest glory is proclaimed as he enters Jerusalem for his death. The great mystery here concerns peace. At Jesus' birth, there is peace on earth. As he enters into judgment for his passion and resurrection, there is peace in heaven. Thus, earth and heaven are joined together in peace through the incarnation and atonement of Christ. This incarnational and biblical reality recorded by Luke is exactly the same reality that happens every time God's people gather for the divine service, where Christ's presence in word and sacrament joins heaven and earth together in peace. Pastor, I think that is especially well said. What do you think? Yeah, it definitely is, uh, and that's the reality in the divine service, and we perhaps see it most clearly when we say with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, right, before we have the uh, the service of the sacrament. But when we have the entire divine service, it really is heaven on earth. It's a place where we reflect to the best of our abilities what the reality will be when we are resurrected to live with God forever in his kingdom. This is the foretaste of that uh, in the divine service. And so the things we do ought to reflect that in in every way possible as we can. Uh, and we can't ever do it perfectly on this side of heaven, but we still ought to do it, give it our best shot in that regard. Amen. And, and, and well said. Well, uh, in our previous episode, we, uh, we listened to a little bit of Bach with regard to the uh, Gloria, and uh, tell us what you have in store for us. Uh, we've got two different Bach pieces, if I understand. It's it's one Bach piece, but it has three different movements. That uh, uh. Uh, it, we heard the first movement in the first segment, and there's two more movements that also are uh, the Gloria as well. There's two different types of Gloria. There's the Gloria in excelsis, glory to God in the highest, which is what we heard uh, last time. And then there's also the Gloria Patria, uh, the glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. And so we we sing the glory in excelsis as the hymn of praise, but also in other places, like the end of the introit, for example, we sing the Gloria Patria. Uh, and these are both the same sort of prayer, the same sort of praise, the same glory given to God, uh, just in two different ways. And so the next two movements of uh, the Bach Cantata we have uh, focus in on the Gloria Patria. Okay, well, uh, again, without further ado, let's uh, listen to the uh, beautiful words and tunes of Johann Sebastian Bach. And then after we hear this second movement, I'll turn things over again to Pastor Moline and let him comment.
Well, there you have it. That was the Gloria in a Patre uh, by Johann Sebastian Bach from a Christmas uh, cantata. Or help me out on there. You're you're the man there, Pastor. It's a part of a Christmas cantata, but uh, it's also taken uh, in 1730. Bach uh, was having some employment issues. Uh, He as musicians maybe, uh, I mean this kindly, sometimes do, there was disagreement between him and his benefactor that was paying for his music writing. And so he'd kind of shopped around for different jobs. And one of the things he did was he wrote a mass, um, a uh, musical setting for a mass. Mozart and other famous people did this as well. And uh, he took this from that mass and then reworked it into this cantata form. But the the point is uh, that I think maybe we want to focus on is the reality that the things we do in divine service can be made to reflect the glory and majesty and beauty of heaven on earth uh, by just taking a little bit of extra time, maybe a little bit of extra cost, um, and, and taking and putting effort into it to make it beautiful, to um, to bring the holiness and righteousness of God uh, across using every means possible. And, and so that's what kind of happens here as we hear Bach's works of music, which are meant for use in the divine service, in the weekly church service. Now, I'm, uh, I'm not the, the music connoisseur that you are, Pastor. And so let me just tell you what I heard. I heard a uh, light, peppy, festive uh, kind of uh, music and atmosphere. The, uh, the flute, I could almost imagine, uh, you know, people ballet dancing and with joy and then that uh, piercing, uh, happy, beautiful uh, soloist that came in, and I imagine that was a soprano. Is that a soprano and a tenor in duet? Yep. Okay, a soprano and a tenor, tenor in duet, and it was just, uh, just when I got used to the the light, fluffy, um, joyous kind of uh, flute music, then all of a sudden, boom, came that powerful soprano voice with the glory, and it was just like it, it was. Like it was almost lifting me higher and higher through the music. Okay, that's the uh, the music nerd uh, in me. That's what I heard and that's what I felt. Uh, react to that. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what you're you're feeling. And it, it builds. It's it's kind of a central piece. So we heard last segment the uh, Gloria in Excelsis. Uh, sung by the full choir with all the the underpinnings. And actually, the next movement of this cantata, you hear the same thing, the Gloria uh, in Excelsis sort of choral majesty that is... um, it is the, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, which is the end of the Gloria Patria. And that's done in its full manner. And so you see how Bach, he brings the fullness of the choir. We have this central interlude where we do have kind of the light and peppy thing. And then we have the choir again, uh, which I, I think that's the reality of what worship is. It is an ebb and a flow, as we've talked about on this before, an up and a down. And it is reflective of what we see in heaven. Well, when we come back from our break, we want to listen to that third movement by Bach, and then we want to talk some specifics about worship in the 21st century, the realities, and the possibilities. Don't change that dial. This is at home in your hymnal. We'll be right back.
Well, that was just a teaser. Welcome back. This is At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We are looking at the Gloria. Uh, specifically, we're looking at Divine Service Setting 1, and we've been uh, spending a little extra time on the Gloria in Excelsis. We uh, spilled over into the Gloria Patre and talking about the Gloria in general, but we've been listening to certain parts of Johann Sebastian Bach, the things that he did with the Gloria, and we want to have a discussion in this uh, particular segment, uh, segment three of episode 18. We want to talk a little bit about how Bach might inspire us with regard to our worship, the divine service, what possibilities, what, what limitations we have, what things we might be able to do in our divine service right here and right now. And so, Pastor, um, while I'm uh, gearing up so that we can listen to that uh, third part or that third piece of the Gloria from Bach, give us uh, a little bit of detail about what we're going to hear. Well, this is uh, goes right along with that movement we heard in the last section. It is uh, also from the uh, Latin Mass and then brought in uh, and rewritten a little bit to be a part of uh, the uh, cantata here, cantata 191. And uh, what we're going to hear now is the part that says, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. And perhaps uh, you who uh, grew up with the TLH hymnal, you might remember that we uh, used to sing that as well in Divine Service Setting 3 uh, after the uh, psalm of the day or the introit. Uh, and th- this is that same little segment there, glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever, world without end. And it's just really beautiful the way that he does that. And I could just wish we could sing this every single time that we did an intro it in our divine service. Uh, it would be a shame, you know, uh, we'd probably get tired of it, which would be shameful. But uh, it's just beautiful. And, and I can't express that anymore without listening to it. Okay, so here you go. The third movement from Bach's Christmas Cantata on the Gloria. Thank you. 
That was the third movement from the Christmas Cantata, the Gloria by Johann Sebastian Bach. Um, I had shivers up my spine, Pastor. I just felt like I was just moving higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And uh, that that word, that Latin word, uh, excelsior, the that we teach to our Latin students here at Good Shepherd, means ever higher. And I just had kind of that feeling as I was listening to those words and uh, the beautiful instrumentation and the voices. A couple of words on that piece that we just heard before we get into a bigger topic that we want to tackle. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about it before we heard it. But you see there uh, we have a number of musicians, probably 30, 40 uh, musicians, each one basically uh, playing its own unique part. And all of them have to fit together just perfectly to bring that magic and glory that's brought across through that music together. Uh, all the singers have to hit the right note at the right time for all the chords that are uh, moving so quickly through that piece to sound correct. And so it takes a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of skill to bring something like that across. And they used to do that for the sake of the divine service uh, each week, um, week in and week out, so that the people might be brought the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, according to that glorious, beautiful music. And uh, just goes to show how highly they valued being in the divine service, uh, the way their culture really uh, thought this was the highest thing in their society was being in church and hearing God's word uh, in such a way. And so uh, it's kind of a sad thing that that's disappeared, uh, but it doesn't have to be gone forever. And I think that's kind of where we want to go in our discussion. Well, I guess my question is what happened? Uh, You know, I know when uh, Dr. Allman uh, was a member here, he went, he was an evangelistic missionary in Germany and uh, in parts of Russia, and he would have uh, big mu- musical classical concerts and uh, the the people were so in tuned with the classical music that they would come to hear a good concert and then he was able to share the good news of Jesus Christ as the people came in to hear the music in uh, in America I think most people would hear this and they would think oh what do we oh what's this classical what's this elevator music going on um we we've definitely got a cultural thing going on here and if this was such a big deal in the church uh 3 350 400 years ago what happened why did we let it go uh, some comments or observations on that. Well, I think historically speaking, there's two things. Um, first off, what happened in Europe, and second off, uh, what happened here. In Europe, what happened is is that slowly and step-by-step, uh, uh, step, what the Word of God was, uh, was, was undermined by a belief that all of God's Word is not real and all of God's Word is not true. Uh, and as that happened... Um, God's word was no longer the most important and highest thing in society. And as a result, there's no need to hear God's word set to beautiful music like this because it's not real. It's not true. And as that happened, the church began to die as they less and less people believed God's word. So that now you have these big, beautiful churches where things like this were performed every week uh, that now sit almost empty on Sunday mornings. The same time as uh, expansion in the United States happened and people came over the ocean uh, here to the United States, uh, we just didn't have the capability to do things like this. The uh, first churches here in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, probably were little wooden huts, if wooden, uh, and they didn't have organ. Uh, they didn't have room for an entire uh, 
symphony to sit and play the music, and so uh, it would have been very simple uh, music, maybe on a, a violin uh, or a fiddle uh, that would have accompanied the church service, if anything at all. And as a result of just little prairie towns and places like that, not having the capability of doing these things at that time, it got ingrained in us that this is the way church is. It's simple, uh, it's plain, because that's what we had. We have the capability to do those things again now. We uphold God's word as true the same way the people did in the old days, uh, but we have this monkey on our back of saying this isn't the way it's been done at this place for the last hundred years so why would we start doing it now okay now you say we can do these things now uh i want to i want to probe what your what your thought process is here are you talking about uh we we have cd capabilities and we can just play a bach recording uh you know we're a substantial sized congregation here at good shepherd and we have a hard time maintaining a dozen people in our choir on a regular basis we do not have concert musicians that are here we do not have an orchestra pit uh give me a little bit about your vision so that what we would do would be excellence in worship and yet at the same time, as my mama taught me, if you can't do something well, don't do it at all. Yeah, the um, the reality that we don't do it now uh, is across the board in all the churches in the Missouri Synod. There's no church in the Missouri Synod that does these sorts of things week in and week out. What I mean when I say we can do it is, is that we live in a community and in a time where we have the capability either through CDs or through... Um, uh, even having smaller sets of musicians. We don't have to have a symphony of 40 people. We could have uh, a much smaller symphony and still do pretty close to what we heard. Um, what we don't have and what we don't do is we don't value these things as highly as we ought to. And I guess that's what I mean. We can value our worship enough that we can make it beautiful. Maybe we're not performing a Bach cantata every week, but we can value it enough to spend the time to sing uh, pieces and to uh, have good quality choral music, to have a fantastic accompaniment. We have a, a very good organist here now. I want to make sure that that's across, that we, we do have some of these things here. But what we are missing is the thing that's easiest to recover. And I would say that's the desire to make church reflect heaven. And I think that's the thing that will be recovered through the preaching of God's word, through teaching what things are possible, what things have been done in the past, and looking honestly at what things we have the capability of doing. And, and so maybe not Bach every week, but there's a lot more that we could do if we had the desire for it. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we have this program at home in your hymnal, teaching the theology and practice of Lutheran worship, teaching us a proper reverence for the things of God's house, and teaching us to discern those things that are excellent and those things that are not. I'm going to leave you with just a little bit more Bach as we go into our break. And when we come back from our break, we're going to bring this uh, discussion of the Gloria and Bach and appreciation of music to a close. We're going to move on in our divine service. At the end of the hymn of praise, there is what is called the salutation and collect of the day. We'll tackle that issue when we come back. Don't go away. This week's church service is more than hymns and a sermon. 
Get a more in-depth study of this week's message with Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline on Proclaiming the One. Tune in Sundays at 12 p.m., Wednesdays at 11 a.m., Fridays at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m., and Saturdays at 10 a.m. For past episodes on demand, go to thecross957.org backslash proclaiming the one. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. I just couldn't resist uh, in our last segment here having a little bit more of Bach and the Gloria, and uh, we'll do that to close out our program again today, too. This is episode 18. In uh, episode 17, we looked in great detail at the Gloria in Excelsis in uh Lutheran Service Book, Divine Service Setting 1, page 154. This, uh, this episode, episode 18, we've been continuing our look at the Gloria and also expanding that, uh, looking at some of the marvelous things that uh, Bach was able to do and having a discussion about maybe some things that uh, we could do that would lift up the name of God, uh, truly appreciate the good gifts of God and also approach our worship with an attitude of reverence. At Home in the Hymnal is to get us to be at home in the hymnal in our corporate worship setting, in our individual and uh, family devotional time as well, and as an extension of that to, to really appreciate the good things that God has given us and an appreciation of his beautiful music is just one of those many things that we can appreciate it uh, it seems to be lost in our culture today and we're going to do our best to uh, to bring it back i was thinking this episode we might have to change the title of our program instead of at home in your hymnal uh, we've kind of blended together your bringing bach back and so maybe it's bringing bach back at home in your hymnal or at home in your hymnal while you bring bach back i don't know it's kind of a combination there and uh, we we appreciate the opportunity to sneak in a little bit of uh, extra Bach but uh, we do need to move on pastor last word on this I would just say make sure you listen to that on Sundays at noon every other week we have a new episode and then there's replays uh, on Thursday mornings uh, during the drive time I think it starts at seven and ends at eight and then also on Fridays at noon uh, you can hear that program and you can check out our archives at uh, KNNA uh, LP 95.7. Uh, our website is www.thecross957.org. And uh, Pastor Moline is a podcast guy. Go to your favorite podcast spot and you can find Bringing Bach Back and uh, in a numerous uh, array of podcast stores. This is way out of my comfort level. And so let's get back into the hymnal. How's that sound, Pastor? Sounds good. Okay, on page 156 in Lutheran Service Book, as we continue our look at Divine Service Setting 1, we have the Salutation and Collect of the Day. This is kind of a given, kind of a forgotten part in the um, uh, Divine Service, but it is extremely significant. The Lord be with you. 
the pastor says, or chants, and the congregation in divine service setting one chants back, uh, and also with you. We use this as a greeting here at Good Shepherd. Uh, when we begin uh, the service time, I give some brief uh, announcements at the beginning. That's how we do it. And I want to uh, share with you just a few words here. The salutation precedes the collect of the day in the divine service. This exchange is one of the oldest parts of the liturgy and is used in various rites. The salutation is more than simply a churchly or liturgical way of saying hello. That this was even an exchange or dialogue was clouded in understanding due to the recent strange liturgical practice of a pastor speaking his part and the congregation chanting theirs, as was the mistaken practice of many using the Lutheran hymnal, uh, TLH, 1941, assuming that there was no chant for the pastor, which was in reality another companion book. And here we're, we're getting into the practice of when the pastor speaks and the congregation sings back. Everybody just assumed that the pastor wasn't supposed to sing, the pastor wasn't supposed to chant, and uh, due to the chant lines being in a separate book, this became the default practice in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and this particular con- commentary here is talking about how silly that is. Pastor? Well, yeah, it is a result of World War II as well, because the hymnal came out before World War II, and uh, to save space, it didn't put all the notes in for the pastor that was supposed to be in that second volume, but World War II delayed the printing of that second volume that had the pastor's notes in it. There were, there were some other important things going on worldwide there. That's exactly right, and so then that left uh, many years where the habit had already been introduced and where the pastor spoke and the people saying yes and uh, um, just to uh, to let you folks know there is nothing particularly Roman Catholic or un-Roman Catholic with the pastor singing the responses. It's the way the church has done it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. If your pastor can sing, then that is a wonderful option for him. If your pastor is tone deaf or monotone, well, then he should probably speak. Uh, Again, uh, if you can't do it well, uh, put it off to the side. Just about anybody can learn to chant these lines, even if they can't sing. But that's a topic for another day. Um, Another issue with this uh, salutation is things changed with regard to the salutation between uh, the 1941 Lutheran hymnal and Lutheran worship of 1978. The most ancient response to the salutation is, And with your spirit and also with you, is of a more modern innovation, reflecting the influence of the Second Vatican Council of the Roman Catholic Church. Interestingly, in the last few years, the United States Council of Catholic Bishops has pronounced and authorized a new translation of the Mass that that undoes the salutation response from, and also with you, and back to and with your spirit. Did you know that, Pastor? I did, yes. That is uh, that is a huge, huge liturgical step. So those who influenced our change to, and also with you, no longer even use that response. The salutation is not so much a wish, but a declaration, as there is no word may in the salutation. 
It is a proclamation of the Lord's presence in terms of a blessing, that is, a bestowal of divine gifts. The speaking and teaching of the Word of God is about to begin after the collect of the day. The salutation and collect are spoken in preparation for this activity. This is a divine activity through the earthly means that God has appointed. So in other words, Pastor, instead of just saying, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. There is a theological action going on in this often forgotten part of the worship service. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. The Lord be with you and also with you. Some reflections on that theological movement and the promise. I think uh, the words, and with thy spirit, uh, also reflect the reality of the office of the holy ministry, saying that uh, this man is the one whom God has placed here to speak God's word to us, knowing that wherever God's word is preached and taught in its truth and purity, the Holy Spirit is present there. It's not that uh, the pastor is... uh, ultra holy or righteous in himself when we say uh, and with thy spirit but rather we're saying this is the guy through whom the holy spirit is going to work faith by the preaching of god's word uh, which is this man's job to do and i think that's a really neat thing that takes place in that regard and and the words that we use then reflect that reality Uh, it's too bad that in 1978 we kind of changed it away from and with thy spirit to and also with you Uh, i think the lsb in divine service setting three does go back and say as you mentioned and with your spirit so it takes and makes it modern but still keeps that same theological meaning yes and uh, that is that is my preference uh and yet old uh Habits go away, new habits come in, the Lord be with you and also with you. I I think we're kind of stuck with this for the time being, but as we move forward, uh, liturgically speaking, I think it is a great move, and uh, I applaud the uh, Roman Catholic Church for acknowledging that that maybe wasn't the best movement after Vatican II. A couple of Bible passages that uh, tie in very well with the salutation. Luke 10.16 says, He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sends me. And also John 20.21-22. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And with thy spirit, at this particular time, is always the preferable way. Uh, There's nothing sinful or wrong with and also with you, but it does uh, theologically lighten what's actually happening here. Well, and it's interesting in that regard that on page 156 of the hymnal where it says, and also with you, uh, we actually have 2 Timothy 4 quoted for us in the small letters. And 2 Timothy 4 says, the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. And so it is a reflection of Paul's actual words words to say, the Lord be with thy spirit. The Second uh, uh, Timothy 4.22 is a very, very significant passage. And uh, I just want to read uh, one more uh, little paragraph here, and uh, then we'll have some concluding thoughts. To say the Lord be with you in this context declares the promise of the Spirit to be present fulfilling His promises and giving out His gifts through the office 
in the fellowship of the church. The use of the verb to be is not limited to expressing only the present moment. The salutation is predicting and predicating the Spirit's presence to the hearers, the baptized. In many cases in this greeting, the word peace is used interchangeably with the word Lord. When the scriptures speak of the Lord being with someone, it most often indicates a blessing of the Holy Spirit in particular. And this comes by hearing the Word of God. Thoughts on that, Pastor? Well, I think that's great because um, when we speak of God, we're talking about the very things He brings into existence by His presence, by His speaking, by His Word. And so, yeah, He is the reason we have peace. He is peace itself. Uh, This is love, uh, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And who is love incarnate? Uh, It is Jesus. So I think that's a great way to think about it. The Lord does what he says and says what he does. When the Lord, through the called and ordained servant of the word, says, the peace of the Lord be with you, that is not a hope, a prayer, or a pious wish. That is a guaranteed reality from the Prince of Peace who loved you, who gave his life for you, who rose victorious over sin, death, and the grave, and who delivers the goods of peace at the baptismal font and at the holy table. Uh, To have this reminder, this greeting, this blessing given to us multiple times, not only during the worship service, but also even as individual Christians meet and greet one another. This is a God-pleasing thing, and God's blessings are promised to us as we hear his word and receive his gifts. This has been episode 18 of At Home in Your Hymnal. When we come back next time, we're going to be moving on. We're going to be looking at that prayer, that collection uh, of thoughts and ideas for the theme of the day, the collect of the day. And then we're going to be tackling the, the topic of the readings that go on in the worship service. Why the readings? How are they delivered? And... Why is it so important that the Word be central in our worship service? For Pastor Adam Moline, this is Pastor Clint Poppy. Thank you for tuning in to At Home in Your Hymnal. God's richest blessings in Jesus Christ. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.